Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine. Trying right. to figure out how to spend our money. I understand that the budget is doing quite well in Washington. Yeah, no and problem. And they're looking for things. But they discovered something. <laughs> they, they must have a surplus because we have discovered they're trying to help out our friends around the world. Yeah, uh, Here so it kind. says, the U.S. to keep paying salaries for tens of thousands I think like it's, uh, uh, you know, 57,000 of Ukrainians during the government shutdown. But why? I, I'm really confused on this. If, if we're having the shutdown because we're having budget trouble, but it looks like somebody thinks we have a budget surplus. So I, I think this is a bit of craziness, and I think the budget is not that good. And I think what they're trying to talk, talk us into here hurts Americans, hurts our national security, doesn't make any sense. It's unconstitutional. Otherwise, it looks like a good plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, let's put that up and look, because this is the outrage of the week or the month or the year. Yeah. So, and, you know, you've talked about it before. There's a bit of a charade about the shutdown. But the reality is, and we went through it, you get sent home and you don't get a paycheck when there's a government shutdown. Well, that's going to affect a lot of Americans. Whether we like having a lot of government workers or not is in a whole different story. The real point, Dr. Paul, as you said, is that if American workers get sent home because we don't have a budget, the Ukrainian workers, whose salaries we pay, will be just fine. And I had no idea until today. I suspected how many it was. But a newly aired 60-minute segment entitled The Unexpected Way American Tax Dollars Are Being Used in Ukraine has uncovered that the U.S. government is paying the salaries of some 57,000 Ukrainian civ civic services personnel. You know, in the 70s, our big problem was always price inflations going up. Everybody's real wages were going down, including the members of Congress. My suggestion then was to... Uh, make the congressional pay go down at the rate of inflation. So if inflation's up 10%, they lose 10%. I said, I bet they'd learn what, what inflation is all about. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. But now my, my suggestion now is uh, if there's a lockdown, you're a close, uh, closing down government, uh, you start with cutting real cuts of all the members of Congress's pay. Yeah. And uh, I guess we can't do the courts, but we could cut all the Congress, cut their pay until until they go back to work. Why should they get paid? They shouldn't even get paid for doing all the harm they do anyway. Yeah. But, but th this way, maybe motivate. But you know what? I bet if there was a vote on that, there wouldn't be too many people voting for it. <laughs> I mean, probably it, just, it just wouldn't work. But it points out the hypocrisy of the whole thing. And, you know, this is this is just outlandish that uh, we're, we're going to use all, all, all this money uh, to pay. And I think this is what's going to aggravate a lot of people. Just like during the lockdown, you know, the people who wrote all these rules and laws that were insane and we had to suffer through them and the people were angry. Uh, but what really got the people upset and motivated the, you, you know, the, the, the cancellation of the lockdown was the, was the fact that the people who wrote the laws didn't obey the laws anyway. Yeah. And too many were caught in fancy restaurants driving in their limousines and all, all that other nonsense. So in a way, that's what this points out. But uh, you, you just wonder how they get away with this and why the people don't get outraged. But 
I, I think there's a few people or a couple even in the Senate right now talking about what are we going to do? And the most important thing that we can do is uh, with our mini, minimal bully pope uh, and, and sounding out an alarm, let as many people know as possible. And uh, I think there's somebody in the Senate that's uh, working on that job. Yeah, absolutely. We got, we, I've got a great clip from him, by the way, uh, about that. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, to your point, that I think Americans are going to realize this is an administration and this is a Congress with a few exceptions who is literally putting a foreign country, literally putting foreign workers ahead of American workers. And I think when that sinks in, a lot more people, the tide is already going in our direction against giving more money to Ukraine. But I think when people understand this, the problem is this proxy war, as you called it from the beginning, this proxy war has completely decimated the Ukrainian economy. You remember in the days of Gulf War One, where the very smart advice from then Colin Powell, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, his argument against going into Baghdad in the first Gulf War was, if you break it, you bought it. And that's why he didn't want to own Baghdad. And it was smart because we've broken Ukraine and now we've literally bought it. We're paying the salary of tens of thousands of people. Put up that next one because this is from the 60 Minutes. This is not uh, Putin's private... TV network, this is 60 Minutes, mainstream as it gets. 60 Minutes discovered the U.S. is financing more than weapons in Ukraine. The government is buying seeds and fertilizer for farmers, paying the salary of 57,000 first responders, and subsidizing small businesses, to which our friend Scott Horton made the following comment, if you go to the next one. He made a very good retort. He said, your small business closed by your government's order. Their small business, 6,000 miles away, kept open by your taxes, by your government's order. Uh, well done, Scott. You really nailed it there. <laughs> Shut down our business, subsidize their businesses. Hey, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences or things that they don't believe are related, but they can very much be related to this, this nonsense. One would be it, it isn't saving us any money, it doesn't give us any national security, and it's going to run up our deficit more, which means there's more inflation and the salaries are going to go down. So the people are paying through that too. It's connected, but not as direct uh, to wake up a lot of people. But the other thing is there's a, there are the people who get together and try to sort out the unfairness of the system, who who gets the cost of living increases, and it's the working man, the common guy, and the middle of the class. They they get hit the hardest, and uh, they're fighting and struggling. And, and then there's a big argument over strikes. Should they get 20 percent or 40 percent? It is, and it's, it is connected because it's all this system of interventionism that that somebody knows what's best. And this foreign policy, of course, we have an organization designed for this whole purpose. Yeah. Of, uh, of trying to get information out about how ridiculous our foreign policy is. So then this is another one. So maybe maybe this one will uh, wake up a couple people and say enough is enough. We got, what, what do we think about a foreign policy? Well, well it's very complicated. Uh, we, we like the principle of non-interventionism. Yeah. Mind our own business. Mind your own business. And I think Americans, when they go to this store, and, and I do, I do a lot of shopping for the family. When I go there, I have a panic attack every time you check out because just buying one meal for a family is, is you know, 60, 70 bucks. It's insane. So I think American workers who are trying to struggle through this horrible economic situation, the gas prices, and they're going to look at, hold on a minute, I am in dire straits and you're paying tens of thousands of workers overseas? <laughs> I mean, I just, 
you know, here's someone else who noticed it, and you suggested it earlier. Let's put on that photo of Senator Paul, because he noticed it earlier, and he is not too happy, Dr. Paul. He is spitting mad over this. If we can put that clip of him up there. There we go. He was on Fox. Seeds, salaries, and sweaters. Rand Paul outraged at unconstitutional U.S. subsidizing of Ukraine economy. And we actually have a clip of Senator Paul visiting with Laura Ingram, and he's telling her exactly what he thinks about this plan. Let's put on that first video clip. Let's play the whole video clip if we have that handy. Here we go. They sent $100 trillion and nobody's counting the money and nobody's looking for the fraud. And Ukraine's always been in the top 10 or historically been in the top 10 for corruption. So now I think it's a huge mistake. It's, it's, there, it's an unpopular idea. And yet the leaders in Washington are dead set on ramming this down our throat. But I told them I am not going along with it. I will not allow my consent to let them push through more money for Ukraine, particularly when they have the gall to tell us they're going to pay Ukrainian government workers while our workers go unpaid. And I like that point. You know, he says, I'm not going to allow my consent. You know, he's, he understands he's one person, but he has a lot of power as a senator. But he's just saying, pledging to do everything that he can to prevent this from happening. And that's, you that's know, a good thing. Isn't it amazing that his position so frequently got coincide with a lot of things we believe? <laughs> I know. That's shocking, I it's, isn't it? I think it's interesting. <laughs> he How does, does he a know? good job. <laughs> yeah. I get to brag a little bit. <laughs> that's right. How does he know? Well, the, this, the, the suction... Uh, sucking the money out of our economy. We're not done with that yet, Dr. Paul, because we still, after we pay all that money to Ukrainian workers, there's a little bit left over for Poland. Put that next one on. This is really kind of a funny one, but a not funny, but not funny one. If you can put that next one, this is from our good friend Dave DeCamp over at antiwar.com. U.S. announces a $2 billion loan for Poland to spend on military. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, Dr. Paul. But the basic fact is this, is, this is not a loan. <laughs> the U.S. is giving Poland $2 billion to turn around and spend it in the U.S. military-industrial complex, the Beltway Bandits, the people we drove by when we had our recent conference earlier this month. Basically, that money's probably not even going to go out outside the U.S. It's, it's going to circulate around over to Lockheed Martin. You know, I keep trying to figure out how, how can they do this? It, it seems like it might be called stupid or they're up to no good. And I think the, the basic uh, issue here is why they're willing to do this is I think they've put empire building and maintenance up here and national sovereignty down here. And you could argue that case for the borders and everything, that, that they're out there nitpicking this, not worrying about our military, you know, our immigration uh, policies are such that so many people are saying, you know, if you, if you happen to have been in the military and you need medical help, you can't get it. But when an, an immigrant goes in, they're put in front of the line, you yeah. know. So that, that to me is an emphasis on, on the empire at neglect of, uh, of, of our citizens who are expected to work harder and pay the bills. And then if you can't tax them directly, you, you do it by destroying their money and printing a lot of money. And but 
my message is it's coming to a climactic end, yeah. this whole thing. Yes, they're doing this, but just like uh, the, some of the, uh, or most of the uh, lockdown, uh, even though still those who want to lock down again, uh, people did, you know, wake up when it got so bad. And I think this is getting so bad. And if they could just connect the significant economic I issue with our foreign policy uh, and not separate that to, oh, national, you know, just, You've seen this, the conservatives, and they already argue over, well, well should we uh, be su supporting, uh, we don't like Russia anymore, uh, or no, we, we, we hate China more than we hate Russia, yeah. and go back and forth, which is total nonsense. They don't see the, the big pictures. Why are we doing all this? And it is, uh, you know, people are terrified that we're going to lose our empire. That's their, that's their life. They've been building it, and of course, they always see themselves as the top of the empire. Yeah. They're on the receiving end, and that's why it doesn't bother them as much as some other of us, uh, you know, that see the damage uh, uh, to uh, most other Americans. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put on this next clip, because this is what it's all about, I think, Dr. Paul, if we can put on that next tweet clip. Um, this whole operation, here it is. CTV News, U.S. offers Poland rare loan of $2 billion to modernize its military. And reading behind the headlines, what this is, Dr. Paul, this whole thing is a money laundering operation because at the start of this war, Poland was able to offload all of its old aging Soviet <laughs> weaponry into Ukraine. It got rid of the old junk, the old crap. They sent it to Ukraine and they sent all their weapons there and then they said, well, we need some new weapons. And the U.S. says, okay, here, want some money? Here's some money. Buy some new weapons. I mean, the whole thing was money laundering for the military-industrial complex. Yeah, but they skip one spot. They don't send it. They send plenty right directly to Ukraine. But most of it just goes directly to yeah, the military-industrial right complex. Yep, you yep. know, that's, that's their idea of efficiency in government. Yeah. Spend it faster that way yeah. and hide it easier. Well, the other thing about this, too, is the propaganda value because... I actually put this next tweet up because this is what I've, I've been reading for months and months and months. Um, if you can put up this now. Here we go. This is back from January. This year's defense budget is the largest in Poland's history. They'll increase military spending to more than 3% of GDP, up from 2.4% last year. Within NATO, only Greece and the U.S. spend more. So this is part of a propaganda ploy to get other countries to spend more. The Germans said, we're not even going to spend 2%. But it's all fake, like everything else, because the reason they spend more is we give them the money to spend more, you know? <laughs> that, they, th they think the inflation machine, which has been around now, you know, for over 100 years, but really, really active since World War II. I mean, it is this system, that is the Federal Reserve System, that most of the countries of the world indirectly uh, like it. They talk tough and all this sort of thing. But even a country like China, if, if we didn't have the inflation machine going here, we wouldn't have all these excessive dollars that we can export to China, export to China and buy their stuff, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, it is definitely connected, but it's going to definitely end badly as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I just wonder at what point, I mean, you, it's hard to see on the mainstream media. I'm really surprised that 60 Minutes investigation came yeah. out, you know, because I think there's a lot of people, this will be the first time they've ever heard anything like this. They have no idea 
how much we're spending there and how much it's hurting our economy. And, and you know, the two parties are a lot alike and we make a point that, uh, you, you know, they're more together than some people realize. But, you know, right now, because the big issue is who's going to get the most blame. And of course, Trump's the Trump's the monster. He gets all the blame, yeah. <laughs> according to the media. But I think that's where we've seen a shift where there'll be uh, liberal magazines coming out now and trying to restore maybe a, a little bit of credibility. I, I, maybe that's it. They have an ounce of credibility that they desire. Yeah. But I think the damage is already done because all the excesses in, uh, in empire building, the excesses of spending and deficits, uh, that all has to be erased. Erased in the sense that you got to start with scratch when you're totally bankrupt. Yeah. You, can't, you can't cure bankruptcy by doing this, you know, if punishing our people who are supposed to produce, that'll, that'll knock down our production yeah. and the demands overseas are great, but it's empire building. We can't give, you're weak, you're not, you're unpatriotic <laughs> for not supporting the empire and you support your people home and then you're called unpatriotic. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, I guess we move on then to our third story and let's put up that bonus clip because I messed up and I didn't start with it. Let's just talk a little bit about immigration. If we're, this is the criticizing government day. Um, this is something we noticed on Zero Hedge. Meet the rare immigrants the U.S. government wants to deport. And here you see a very large family, uh, the Romaike family of Morrison, Morristown, Tennessee. Uh, let's put the next one up because they are in the process of being deported, even though they're here legally if we put that oh yeah go back i'm sorry it's going to take a second to go back to the other one because i messed it up but um so they came to the u.s since immigration law is largely in abeyance in america right now most of those migrants who make it over the border aren't going to be sent home anytime soon we know that dr paul but one immigrant family has been told get ready you're going to be kicked out and that's the family we just showed uh the romica family fled germany 15 years ago and i read i remember reading about this in the homeschooling world that we're in. They fled Germany 15 years ago because they said the German government threatened to fine them for homeschooling their kids. It's illegal in Germany to homeschool your kids. American courts couldn't find that sufficient grounds for asylum here, so they've been told to pack their bags. So the threat of being fined or worse in Germany for homeschooling, that's not enough. You're going to have to go get you know, out. If you compare the groups that come in that uh, do not add a whole lot to our society and are not productive and, you know, it's not a plus in many ways. And then they talk about a family like this. And they're, they're not arguing that you're not giving us enough money like Zelensky said. Yeah, well, you're yeah. not giving us money to maintain your empire. No, they, they don't mention that. All they want is freedom. Yeah. And all they want to do is be able to homeschool. So I think homeschooling is the big issue. And I have a special place in my heart for That's homeschooling. Right. And you all obviously do too because some of your kids have used homeschooling. Yeah. So this is... This is something that homeschooling is, you might end up learning the truth about history. Yeah. You, foreign policy, you might, you might learn something about the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, right. it's, it's very dangerous. So homeschooling is a real challenge, you know, to, to the uh, gigantic government we have in big government authoritarianism. Uh, and that, as I think, is the number one reason. Why else would, why would they feel safer by sending these family, yeah, this yeah. family home? Some of them are married 
married and have kids and they would all those kids would qualify yeah but daddy this is just beyond belief this one might be in that category where the people say you you, you know they they just find the whole thing disgusting yeah. you know and say well maybe maybe you guys have a point that the government schools aren't all up to par yeah yeah <laughs> More and more are saying that. More and more are. And here's what he said in his, in his, own, in his own words, if you put that next one on. Romanka said two weeks ago, an immigration agent asked his family to return in four weeks with German passports and prepare to deport. And here's what he said. Our oldest children were in school in the German public schools, and their personality literally changed, Romanka said. We wanted to help them grow up in what they believed in and what we believe in and not get basically indoctrinated with something we don't want. So that's why they moved to America, the land of opportunity. He says, we work here, everything we have is here in America. We don't have any place to live over there. I don't have any work to provide for my family over there. He's working and making money. And this was in the article, the contrast between someone who's here working and making a living and contributing to the economy versus the people that are busting over the borders. Put on that video clip, the next one, this was in the same article this is what our southern borders look like uh and contrast that with the family that comes over here you might want to put your earpiece in dr paul because we've got a, a short video clip of the board this is our border situation literally here in the u.s put this on these are people pouring in one day earlier this week already crowded facilities are being overwhelmed on mexico's southern border with guatemala and a mexican train operator has suspended operations citing deaths Injuries, this is what it looks like. Uh, and these thousands and thousands pouring over, as you know, Dr. Paul, they get 2000 bucks a month. You know, people who have worked the entire lives and are on Social Security, my mother, for example, she gets 1400 bucks a month. But these people pouring in get 2000 bucks a month. And this other family that just wants to homeschool their kids, they get booted. You know, a lot of them come and they're not really inspected. You know, oh, yeah, where yeah. they come from and what are their what are their issues? Could there be some violent people and all, all that all that stuff? Uh, but one of the arguments our government is giving, uh, but all the we all the ones that are coming in in a herd like this, uh, they had they've been justified for asylum. Yeah. I mean, they all have proof that their government was going to put them in prison. They, but they're coming along and saying that these people have no no, no justification for asylum. Well, our immigration, you know, over the, the especially the early years, didn't involve asylum. Yeah. You know, it was. I'm sure there was some, but that wasn't it. It was the people who qualified and wanted to come to America, yeah. wanted to be American. And uh, the saying back then was, "Boy." Uh, if you knew an immigrant, and it probably still happens, if you can come here and you want to make the best of it, uh, they um, immediately very much encourage their kids to be able to speak English, yeah. you know, and oh, become yeah. Americans, you know. But that's not the case. But uh, they, they, don't, don't, they don't have any argument on this as asylum business. So they're not escaping from them. I mean, you already mentioned a pretty strong one. They're being arrested yeah. <laughs> for, for wanting to teach your kids. It's back to who owns your kids? Yeah. You know, and, uh, and we know who controls our kids. Yeah. Well, I just I just want to add, you know, <clears throat> just to clarify our position, is you see a lot of people here, obviously from Africa and elsewhere. Now, I think we, we definitely have sympathy for a lot of these people because a lot of these are refugees because of our foreign policy. Yeah, there you, know? you go. So we're not putting all the blame on these people. We've gone over there and bombed their countries like Libya, destroyed their economies, and they have nowhere to go. So they come over over here so 
really the, the solution to this would be to not have an interventionist foreign policy. It wouldn't be 100% successful. But would you have this horrible scene of humanity? You know, you have to feel sorry for these people, even as you don't want to have this crazy immigration. You have to feel for the humanity of these people. You know, and a good example of what you're talking about is the uh, closing down of our troops in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. You know, we go over and we befriend the people who are more sympathetic and they want to help and they want to get rid of their bad actors. So they, all of a sudden, it, uh, it's time to end. And then you see their desperation and you can't but help say, you know, they really wanted to help Americans because they believe in America and they might not look at it any deeper than that. Yeah. And so there they go. And uh, just to watch them desperately hope. I mean, when I, what are they doing out on this runway? And they said, people who were there, they said they were actually wanting to hold on to the, the airplane. The plane, yeah, that was it's, crazy. It's, that's how desperate Sad. they yeah, are. Yeah. And But I think your point gets missed too often that, uh, yes, what were we doing there in the first place? Yeah. Yes, we could have uh, had a different way of helping us, people who, who want to get away from that. And one of it's that education, yeah. you know, if, if they uh, had more reason in it to change your own country, but even even getting asylum on those things, uh, on, on those conditions. But no, this is... Uh, uh, th this is an excuse and to say these people, <laughs> these people are different, you know, uh, these homeschoolers. Homeschooling is the nemesis for these authoritarians yeah. because it's one loophole, which actually they tried to get rid of in the early 18, oh, yeah. 1980s. Yep. Because I remember one of the first things I was involved in when I was in Congress was this whole idea, and it was in Texas and every place, of systematically, uh, you know, getting rid of it. They saw the, 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 their, their, uh, the grave danger they were in, the, the promoters of all this doctrine or stuff and all this, uh, you know, you know, government schools, and uh, we still have a long way to go. But uh, it's uh, it's a real tragedy on what what has happened. Yeah, not showing our best side on that. Well, I'm going to get ready to close out. And just the one thing I will say is today is the anniversary of the blowing up of Nord Stream. Uh, we're not talking about it on the show yet. Uh, Seymour Hersh has a great new piece out. It's not behind a paywall. So, which most of his stuff is. So I encourage you to read it. We may chew on it a little bit and discuss it tomorrow. I'm not sure how things look, but it's a very important piece. One year ago, it was blown up. We have the most expensive intelligence apparatus in the history of the world. Yet somehow, after a year of investigating, we don't know. We don't have any idea <laughs> who blew it up. Either that or we're not saying Cy Hirsch has his own views on this and he's got a good track record. But my final thought, if you can put that last picture up, is to remind everyone of our fall fundraiser at the Ron Paul Institute. As you know, we don't bother you a lot, but we do need to keep things running. We run the show, we do conferences, uh, we do a Ron Paul Scholar Seminar for young people, and we'd like to do a lot more. And we can only do that with your help and participation. So our thank you for donating during our fall fundraiser, of course, is Dr. Paul's brand new book. You saw him signing some copies of it in that last photo. Um, the Surreptitious Coup. It's a great book, and it's our way of saying thank you. Of course, for a gift of $50, tax deductible to the extent of the law, we'll send you a soft cover. For $100, Dr. Paul will sign that soft cover. And for $150, Dr. Paul will send you a forever copy, a hardcover of his brand new book. And we thank you very much for your support. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. <clears throat> 
And once again, I want to make sure our viewers uh, understand how grateful we are for your support financially and just coming to our programs and participating. <coughs> So that to us is very important because it's the spreading of a message that is most important to us and we want to do it the best way we can. And that, <clears throat> that takes some, some effort because the one thing is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, whole, whole thing about uh, a, a message on ideas. Ideas have to be what changes the world, not our foreign policy. If our foreign policy changes the world, it's going to be for the negative, and so far a lot of it has. But the foreign policy has to be looked at, the monetary policy has to be looked at, but ideas have consequences. And uh, the one thing that is a real benefit to us is good ideas cannot be stopped, no matter how authoritarian the government is. They can be vicious and mean and punitive, but ultimately ideas survive the nastiness of big government. So we are going to deal on ideas and explain why a free society is much more uh, available to us to be able to change and move toward peace and prosperity. That is our goal at the Liberty Report. Please come back soon to, to the Liberty Report.